0: Well, good morning and thanks for joining us. Tuesday morning, starting a short work week for many people after a long weekend, although the students' schools are not in all week and it's got nothing to do with teacher strikes. It's the February break and so everyone is getting a break. We saw the teachers this morning uh, basically brought in representatives from other provinces in Canada who have classroom complexity and class size built into their provincial collective agreements and it was basically an opportunity to point and illustrate at other provinces to show what they're doing. We had that conversation on the show. We had um, representative the president actually of the Canadian Teachers Federation on with us talking about how classroom complexity is handled in other province. The other thing is we just heard the other day from the school boards association. we've been waiting to hear from them for a while. in fact, we've tried to have them on the show more than once and and we've been declined. But Jamie Smith-Windsor, who's the president of the Saskatchewan School Boards Association, essentially came out with a statement saying that classroom complexity is best handled outside of the collective bargaining process and that the school boards with proper funding from the province are in the best position to handle that. So we've reached out to Jamie Smith-Windsor. Our hope is that maybe we will get her to join us first thing tomorrow morning and we can talk further on this whole notion of classroom complexity and we can do it at a time when no one is in the schools everyone's off on the february break well from education to healthcare, those are the two i think we probably talk about the most on the show we know our healthcare system is facing challenges we've heard numerous stories over the last few months hospitals around the province dealing with staffing shortages overcrowding issues fire code violations Sadly, a long list of challenges that our healthcare system is facing. And that said, there is a lot of work being done to try and right the ship. The Saskatchewan Health Authority have been taking steps. They've been regularly updating us on the work that they are doing and continue to do to improve the state of health care in the province. I wanted to take this opportunity to dig into those as well. We just got a, a news release that was sent out last week about more new beds in the province Good opportunity to have Derek Miller join us. Derek's been on the show before chief operating officer for the Saskatchewan health authority and joins me now, Derek, thanks for taking the call.
1: Good morning, Evan. Happy to be here.
0: I've got the, uh, the release in my hand. Saskatchewan health authority says 116 beds have been added to Saskatoon and Regina through the capacity plan. Give me an understanding about how that breakdown uh, will affect both communities.
1: Yeah, thank you. The, um, as part of our action plans for Saskatoon and Regina, the addition of uh, of capacity in acute uh, care environments in our hospitals, as well as in community um, through long term care and convalescent care beds, is it's those are key key elements of our our plans in in both centers. Um, and we know as as patients flow through the system, they enter in the the emergency department, and that's where we see. Um, over capacity when, when we're otherwise full, um, on our acute units. Um, and, and part of that problem, part of the problem is, um, not having enough capacity in community to flow people, uh, discharge them, uh, either back to their homes, um, or to a home care, personal care home or into long term care, uh, or other, some other type of, uh, of transitional care they don't necessarily need uh, hospital services anymore, so as we bring on more capacity um and and we talked about that with our with the news release and the update last week um we're we're targeting multiple different areas, including adding hospital beds um in where we're able to because uh, obviously space is a challenge and then also adding uh, those beds in long term care convalescent care and and to support um, a transition of patients back into the, the right environment in the community.
0: Derek Miller is my guest, Chief Operating Officer with the Saskatchewan Health Authority. That's actually my question, Derek, is I heard you say add beds where we're able to, because space is a bit of a challenge as well. So where do you, how do you fit in 116 new beds? Are they in existing spaces? Is it acquiring different facilities, expanding facilities? How does that work?
1: The, um, it, it varies depending on the, the center. Some of our um, hospitals, um, for example, at, at Royal University Hospital, we were able to use um, some vacated space within the hospital in order to create um, additional uh, medicine um, beds. And so that, that was a uh, an opportunity for us to, to, to bring on that new capacity in the system. We also added um, intensive care unit beds in available space um, to, to support more on the critical care um, side. Our, um, our ability to add hospital beds in, in most of the other facilities has been somewhat limited, although we were able to add five beds at St. Paul's Hospital uh, into existing space. And then otherwise, we've been focused more on adding um, capacity in the community. And so in Saskatoon, we have 32 transitional care beds and basically um, using capacity in uh, in personal care homes and having arrangements with them to um, hold um, beds for us that so we can admit into, and those are patients that um, that don 't require hospital care anymore they may be waiting for for a long term care bed or a personal care home bed or or some other kind of arrangement but um, and that 's a better environment for them actually while they're while they 're waiting for that, and it also helps us in terms of not having um, Them um, wait in a, in a hospital environment.
0: Derek Miller with the Saskatchewan Health Authority. If if you were asked, this is this is a big question, Derek. But if you were asked by someone, Derek, from your seat, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the SHA right now? Because we know, I just listed off the start of this conversation a list of challenges that healthcare has. What would you say the biggest is?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. Healthcare is a it's a pretty significant part of um, our, of the province. You know, we're we're providing care for all residents throughout the the course of their of their life journeys, from from birth through um, meet, meeting their needs um, throughout their lives. And so there's there's lots of moving parts, there's lots of uh, different um, services. I w- I would say that we are um, very focused on um, our capacity challenges that we have in Saskatoon and Regina. And that's um, Know, principally, what we're we're talking about here today, and and there's uh, significant investment going into a- addressing the root causes of that. And we we're talking about adding capacity in the long-term care, or uh, in in uh, hospital, or in home care services. Um, th- those types of of um, areas where we're we're going to get to uh, to the root cause. So, I think this is a this is a major um, challenge for us. Um, it's, there's while we have been able to achieve some immediate success with, with the initial actions coming out of the, the announcement of those plans at the end of last year, we know that some of the other actions that we had identified for um, the, the three to six-month um, timeline, they, it, they are, it, it does take time to, to get um, those things in place, but we are seeing a lot of really good progress. Um, Another part that is going to make a big impact are the additional staff that we are posting um, and in the process of recruiting into right now um, to to help us um, build um, uh, in in community um, as well as supporting uh, the bed uh, expansion that we've talked about.
0: Derek Miller is my guest, Chief Operating Officer with the Saskatchewan Health Authority. Derek, is there any work that the Saskatchewan Health Authority does or feels needs to be done when it comes to educating people on how to use the healthcare system. Inevitably, I'm going to open this up for phone calls once you and I are done, and, and uh, people will be interacting with me about, you know, people running to the emergency ward with something that probably doesn't constitute an emergency. Is there any work that the SHA talks about doing when it comes to helping people understand a responsible way to use the healthcare system?
1: You know, one of the services that really, um, really has been in place for a long time, but it really took off, um, through the course of the the pandemic, was 8-1-1 as a resource for for people. Um, if you're if you're wondering, you know, should I should I wait to to go to a um, walk-in clinic or to or to see my family doctor, or should I be going to the emergency department? Um, the 8-1-1 service um, has um, the ability to uh, to speak to a nurse, to speak to a virtual triage physician, and, and get some really good advice in terms of. Um, what what um, your your element, or what what you might be experiencing, it and and advise you on you know how should you be accessing the health system? Should you go to your emergency local emergency department? Um, should you get a um, an appointment with your family physician, or go to a walk-in? Like you know all those different options. So I would I would really encourage people if they um, if they have questions about how they access the the health system. To consider using nay one one as a resource
0: you know i I'm thinking about the this big basket of challenges that sits on your desk that the s h a is is digging into and trying to solve back at my time as as the leader of a police organization you You had a bunch of complexities and a bunch of things you're trying to work on but but there was usually one or two that were the squeakiest wheels. They may not have been the biggest priority in terms of overall. Changes that need to be made, but yet they were they were definitely a squeaky wheel. You'd hear it from community, you'd hear it from staff. What would you say is your squeaky wheel?
1: Well, we're talking about Saskatoon Regina capacity, and obviously that is, that is a big one. But there there are a lot of other things that uh, that are happening um, that we're working through. Um, our um, staff shortages is obviously one that impacts. In, um, facilities across the province, we've worked really hard um, with the Ministry of Health um, and government with the Health Human Resource Action Plan uh, and have had a lot of successes on bringing, bringing in um, new staff to support rural facilities that um, may have been struggling in terms of being able to have a, a sustainable service um, offered to their local community and we're, we're proud of our successes and there's there's more coming um, in that space as we as we work to stabilize um, our, our rural facilities. So that is definitely a um, something that we are um, we're, we're targeting. Uh, in addition to that, mental health and addictions is is the priority, and, and again, working closely with uh, the Ministry of Health, um, we're really excited to see the um, ad- more addictions beds and, and capacity that's being announced um, pretty continuously over the last year, and and more coming as part of the Mental Health and Addictions Action Plan. That was announced at the end of last year. Um, that they will address uh, significant needs that, w- that we know are out there for residents of Saskatchewan. We're also very focused on surgery and making sure that people are getting access to surgical services in a timely way um, and significant increases in, in capacity and uh, reduction of wait lists um, through the course of these, this year and we're continuing to, uh, to progress that um, going forward. So, yeah, there's lots of lots of priorities and um, lots of needs out there by um, Saskatchewan residents and uh, and we're working hard to make sure we can meet those now and, and into the future as well.
0: Derek Miller with the Saskatchewan Health Authority before I let you go, we're about a month away from budget. We know that long term plans to try and improve health care in our province has to come with some sort of sustainable funding. Is this a conversation that you're having fairly regularly? Um, are you hopeful that you're going to see that manifest itself? In uh, the budget that we see released in the next month or so,
1: and we've been uh, we've been very happy working with the Ministry of Health on um, our capacity challenges in Saskatoon and Regina. We've seen a significant investment already in terms of additional staff that we are in the process of hiring, as well as additional capacity that that we're building in our hospitals, as well as in uh, in a community setting. Um, you. Last week at the, the end of last week, we issued through uh, Ministry of SAS Bills and Procurement a new request for proposal for long-term care space up to 220 spaces in, in Regina to add in that, uh, in that community. Uh, and so all of these, all of these measures, we've had a lot of support, um, from the, the Ministry of Health, um, to, to move them forward, um, and, and expect that, um, that that will continue into the future.
0: Derek, we appreciate you giving us some time this morning. Thanks for the, uh, for the check-in.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Have a good
0: day, Evan. Derek Miller, Chief Operating Officer, Saskatchewan Health Authority. And uh, this in response to the release that came out last week, the SHA have announced 116 beds have been added to both Saskatoon and Regina through the capacity plan. He talked about ac- acute care and long-term care facilities where the majority of those beds went. Well, this is a conversation that affects us all. And that's why we're going to open the phone and the text line up for you for the next little bit on the topic of healthcare. What should the province be making a priority when it comes to health care? We got a budget that's going to be released in about a month from now. 1-877-332-8255. What's your thoughts? What should the province be making a priority when it comes to health care? You and I continue the discussion next on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. Well, good morning and thanks for joining us today. We've uh, had a few good conversations this morning. We went from hockey culture at 9 o'clock. We talked about shelters, and especially those in Saskatoon right now, which are forefront in the news at 10. Now we're talking about healthcare, and the phone line is open for you, 1-877-332-8255, asking you the question, what should the province make a priority when it comes to health care? We just had Derek Miller on. Derek is the chief operating officer with Saskatchewan Health Authority they of course just made an announcement at the end of last week that they've invested another 116 beds added to Saskatoon and Regina through that capacity plan really focused on acute care and long term care facilities those beds what do you think 18773328255 lots of people that are texting in are already saying look People are using the healthcare system the wrong way. People are running to the emergency ward when they don't have an emergency and as a result it's clogging it up. That's no doubt there's that's part of the problem. How we triage people. In fact, Derek talked about the importance of 811. And something needs to be looked at there. 1877-332-8255. What do you think the province should make a priority when it comes to healthcare? Some, t- some people are texting in and saying we need to do some streamlining in the organization itself. Saskatchewan Health Authority, some believe, is top-heavy, much like they're saying the education system. We need to put funding into frontline staff and services. The amalgamation of health districts was created, and now we've got another layer of management with no savings. <laughs> Doug, I'm reading Doug's text. He says, I believe this because if there was savings, the government would have put it on a billboard. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe you're right. What do you think? 1877 332 8255 Phone lines are open for you. Text line is open for you. We are gonna take another quick break here momentarily, but I'd love to hear from you what you think the province needs to make a priority when it comes to health care. We've talked with the nurses, the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses a fair bit. Tracy Zambori has been on the show a number of times talking about the fact that it's fine to build new facilities or put new beds in facilities. But if we don't have the workers, the frontline workers, whether it's nurses, whether it's health professionals, doctors, you name it. There's a whole range of workers, paramedics for that reason, for that need. If you don't have the workers, then really it's all for naught. So maybe that's where you think the focus needs to be. What do you think? Where should the province make their priority? 1-877-332-8255. We will continue the discussion on healthcare. We'll get your thoughts and texts on the air when we come back. You're listening to 650 CKOM and 980-CJME. Well, good morning and thanks for joining us this morning. The conversation now is focused on healthcare in the province. Derek Miller was my guest just before the break, Chief Operating Officer of the Saskatchewan Health Authority, talking about some new beds, 116 actually, that the SHA has stood up as regard the, to the capacity plan that they're rolling out for both Saskatoon and Regina. And we're asking you, what should the province make a priority when it comes to health care? one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five Doug in North Battleford I mentioned this just before the break. He feels like the SHA's gotten too top heavy. He in fact he equates it to the education system. How about we put more funding into frontline staff and services? I got Rod on the phone from Saskatoon and I think Rod you're in agreement. What's your thoughts on healthcare funding and what should be prioritized?
2: Well <clears throat> why do we need seven health boards in, in this province? We're just over a million people. Like It doesn't make sense.
0: So and, you're thinking we're, we're a bit top-heavy is what you're saying?
2: Well, I would say because, I mean, these people aren't working for free, are they?
0: <laughs> so, I mean, that's the point that I was just mentioning. We, we got a text here from Doug in North Battleford. He's essentially saying the same thing. Um, and teachers have been saying it as well. We put money into school boards and divisions, but maybe we should be taking from there and putting it into frontline resources.
2: Yes, that would be that would, to me. That would only make sense. Like I mean, and like I mean, all those boards also have you know administrative people right. working for them. And like I mean, it's just it's compounded seven times. We don't need that. You know,
0: one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. It's there's there's absolutely no doubt complexity to running healthcare in the province and. Whether we like it or not, any job has its share of administrative work that goes along with it. I think about justice, there's administrative complexities that people could argue, why don't we stop doing that and just put that money to the front line? No doubt there's efficiencies to be found, but this is the question. You know, was the was the amalgamation in our province to the Saskatchewan Health Authority, was that the right decision? Did it create efficiencies or did it actually add Layers of complexity and cost that now we're feeling the effect of, so those are the points there one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five Larry on the phone from saskatoon larry what are, what are your thoughts when it comes to what the province should be making a priority when it comes to health care
2: well there's a long list, but let me try a couple of things during the pandemic measures. many physicians were Well, they were retiring because they could afford to retire, and they were told they couldn't treat the sick people. And if they were going to treat the sick people, informed consent was violated, standard of do no harm, cure must be worse than disease. All those things were violated by the Saskatchewan Health Authority, nurses included. Many of them left the profession and others in protest, and there will be lawsuits about VAX mandates and things like that. Informed consent applies to the patient, but it also applies to a physician or a nurse as a patient or other health professionals. Forcing them to choose between their medical practice, the debts and the family they're trying to support for health professionals, that is called coercion. It's against the law. It's against medical ethics. How did that happen? Can I go a little farther?
0: Sure. How, uh, what's what's uh, your thought on the cause of that, Larry?
2: Well, tr- as Charter Rights Oaks test, you probably are familiar with that. If you're going to violate the charter, you have to, important purpose. Right. Purpose, the reason that you're doing it, you have to show that that will achieve the, the purpose. And the degree to which you violate the right must be at the absolute minimum to achieve the purpose that's a scientific evidence based thing but
0: but do you think Lord Larry that's still that happening? Was not there. Do you think that's that still happening? Was, yes. Outside of the well, pandemic?
2: Well, the pandemic is the prime example of that.
0: Okay, fair fair enough. I'm just what I'm saying is I I I mean, you know, that that topic is is in my view 2020, 2021 in 2024 I feel as though our healthcare professionals are able to not only have their rights held up, but those rights of their patients as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm purposefully, as you notice, not stepping into the conversation about vaccination and all of that, because in my view that, that maybe takes us off course when we're trying to focus on today, what should the province make a priority when it comes to healthcare? 1-877-332-8255. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five Edwin and Regina calling in. What are your thoughts on that one, Edwin?
3: My thoughts are if we have more people, we need more hospitals. You've never built a hospital in how many years
0: we've shut a few we've shut a few down.
3: well, yeah, what party did that? People are forgetting that. Uh, the federal government keeps sending people here, but they don't send enough funds to build a hospital,
0: so we need to build some hospitals and create some space. We're also, though, going to have to find people to work in them, Edwin.
3: Hey, we've got an education system. People need jobs. We can educate them here.
0: Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, if nothing else, Edwin, you make it seem simple. Let's build some hospitals. Let's educate some healthcare staff, and let's get after it. one 332 8255 Lots of people on the text line as well. Grant says the only way is publicly funded and privately administered health care you agree with that text in from Estevan emerge gets overwhelmed when there are not enough doctors doctors are booking three weeks out no longer taking appointments and new patients and the walk-in clinic is absolutely jam-packed with appointments as well so it's basically a resource shortage this texter is saying Trenton Prince Albert the emergency departments and healthcare in general are overrun with addiction issues there needs to be more money put on intervention and prevention of those issues rather than just stamping out fires all the time. one 332 8255 What are your thoughts? Do you think, I mean, it, there's no doubt the addiction problems that we're seeing in our province absolutely weigh into the healthcare crisis. I mean, this actually kind of dovetails in the conversation that we were just having with shelters because often addictions, mental health and those complexities are part of the problem that add to the pressures that we're seeing in our healthcare facilities. One eight seven seven 332 Let's go to Jim in Saskatoon. Thanks for calling in, Jim. The question is, what do you think the province should make a priority when it comes to health care?
3: Well, I had a pretty straight line of thinking here, but then I listened to your throw in, and, and uh, so I'm going to contradict myself. I'm going to give you a two-part answer. Sure. What I, was gonna, what I was calling in for was to talk about the little hanging fruit. Uh, it's easy to focus on the big things and then never get started. We need to be in the hospital. We need to get rid of management. We need to. But I think let's let's not lose sight of those things, but let's also look at the little hanging fruit. One of the things that I'm very aware of through the friends that I have in the health systems is the tremendous abuse of the uh, overtime um, by the nursing staff. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not saying that uh, I'm not saying that health falls on the nurses' staff. They they do a wonderful job. But if you talk to any nurse, and you know that if you take a day off. You can grab an overtime shift when someone else takes a day off if you call in sick, I mean. So I call in sick, miss a shift, wait for one of my colleagues to call in sick. I take that shift when it's more convenient, and then I get a two-for-one. So this is this is a, a known thing. It's not a secret. It's not a, always documented, but it's a known method. So I think things like that, low-hanging fruit, where, where can we find some, some efficiencies? Uh, and again, it would probably come to staff satisfaction, doing more hiring, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... That's the issue. But then when I was listening to you talk in the throw-in, you were talking about the mental health crisis. And I think that's the thing that really, really uh, resonates with me. Um, I believe that it's kind of started uh, decades ago when Ronald Reagan kind of started shutting down Mental Health Institute and started farming out mental health into the community. And I know that that's percolated up in Canada as well. So I think really we're at a, at a point in time where folks that would have been well-served in an institution, are now left to their own devices and make their own appointments and get to their own social work. Well, they already have the mental addiction problems, and that level of responsibility is a little bit escaping them. at, you know, in their current crisis mode, so people that can't actually manage those little things and taking their own self-care. I think we've done them a disservice by outsourcing uh, institutions into the community. And I don't think that that works. And we're
0: seeing that thing as well. The you know the notion of of essentially helping people in the community, that that move that I think you talked about, Ronald Reagan might have been part of, of that in the United States. Really, I think it's not a lot different, and I hate to blur the lines between classroom complexity, but it's not a lot different than that discussion. When you know that the resources are there, people are absolutely 100% better served that way. But the absence of resources causes everything to collapse. And I think that's what we're seeing is... You know, I would I would guess most people, and I'm not an expert when it comes to to mental health, but I would guess most people would argue that doing away with the institutionalized kind of form of care into one that is resource-based and, you know, is a better way to look after and help people that need those supports from a mental wellness and a mental illness perspective. But if the supports aren't there, then, you know, that's Jim's point is, you've basically got people that are unsupported. They don't have a place that is a full-time care and attention to take care of those needs. And as a result, their needs are now being amplified in the community and they manifest in a variety of different ways. Some of them, they could be higher likelihood of being victimized. In other cases, they're more likely to be committing crimes or being involved in, in um, you know, drugs or, or whatever the case may be. And so you know, there's something to be said there for sure, and I think it just comes down to a lack of of resources, which is exactly what people are texting in. Jim in Moose Jaw, Moose Jaw Hospital has too few beds, but nine meeting rooms. How many meeting rooms do you need? Says Jim, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. David and Regina says, I definitely agree that we are top heavy. We have more than double the executive directors than Alberta. And Alberta, of course, has a higher population than Saskatchewan. Why do we have so many executives? Dave says he's an RN in Saskatchewan. Expanding capacity is not a fix. What's the plan to hire and maintain nurses for the expansion? Where are they coming from? We can barely staff the current model. Ask an MLA how much they spend on overtime. It's in the millions. This was the conversation we just had with the uh, previous caller. It's in the millions annually, but... It's because of staffing and increased patient complexities, and there is no money to support it. So, I mean, you know, the overtime issue to me, and this was uh, one of the other things that we were just chatting about there with, uh, I believe it was Jim on the phone. You know, I think in any industry, when you've got a resource deficiency, there is the ability for, number one, an increase in overtime. And, you know, I mean, I think it's safe to say, Overtime can be abused and is in some areas. I will not go as far as to say it's a blanket problem in nursing. No different than it could be when policing at the correctional centers, anywhere that's working shift work, frontline emergency response, overtime and how you contain overtime is a big part of the problem. And one of the best strategies is staff appropriately because if you're staffed up, and then if someone books off sick, but you've got appropriate staff levels, you're not necessarily having to fill that spot in overtime. But if you're running at the bare minimum and you've got no room for cushion and all of a sudden someone books in sick, then yeah, you're going to have to fill the spot. one We're going to take a quick break, but back with the uh, last bit of this segment on what should the province be making a priority when it comes to healthcare right here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Good morning, I'm Evan Bray. Thanks so much for taking some time joining us this morning. We're talking about health care priorities and what they should be in the province. Frank in Regina is on the line, waiting patiently. Frank, what do you think the province should make as a priority when it comes to health care?
2: Well, good morning, Evan. First of all, I think we've got to get more family doctors. Because even if you have a family doctor, you're waiting two, we- uh, two weeks at minimum for an appointment. Well, if you've got a, a cut or something that needs to be dealt with, you end up running to emergency because it's the only way you can get it addressed. When this could easily be done in a doctor's office, have if we had more doctors available.
0: Mm-hmm. Walk-in clinics, basically.
2: Something to take minor things away from the emergency room
0: right a little bit of the stress and you know i there's a lot of people that agree with you frank the text line has been going pretty much constant Jaren regina basically is saying that when we've got hospitals that are basically being used as a walk-in clinic it's a problem people need to be redirected from the triage desk at the emerge ward to some place they can receive necessary attention without taking away spots from true emergencies and on that note Carly in Saskatoon texted in, too, said, I'm a community pharmacist at the medicine shop in Sutherland. Although pharmacists are not funded by the SHA, we encourage patients to come to us for minor issues. Our current prescribing authority allows us to prescribe for 27 varying minor ailments. Many people wait long hours at a walk-in or emergency room to have that taken care of, although we won't be getting funding allocated to us with this healthcare budget. We are still an underutilized healthcare profession, easily accessible, happy to help out patients, even though they're not funded appropriately by their regulatory body. So Carly's point is there are other options out there and pharmacists and, and pharmacies is one option. We know that they've been given the authority to, I would say it's a limited authority, but an authority to make prescriptions when necessary and give medical advice. They are another great place to use and probably underutilized in the province. Well, it's a good conversation. I appreciate the number of people that have been texting in and calling in, wanting to weigh in on the discussion about what should be made a priority when it comes to healthcare. Resources is absolutely a big one. And I think the other main theme we heard from people is we have to make sure that we're utilizing the system properly. We're not abusing it by, for example, showing up at the emergency ward when we don't have an emergency. So thanks to everybody that texted in, weighed in on the conversation, and thanks to Derek Miller too from the SHA who started this conversation off with some of the changes that they've got proposed and are making. Well, it's a week off for the kids. Family week is underway, and if you're looking for something to do, we might have a solution for you. I've got a guest joining me just after the news who will be talking about a week-long winter festival going on in the province. Some exciting, cool opportunities for you and the family. That is coming up next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.